This podcast is part of the Big Heads Media Podcast Network. Go to BigHeadsMedia.com for more great podcasts. And welcome back to Football on Turkey. We have another exciting, controversial, and crazy week of Turkish football for you in store. Uh, my name is Kam Bayezid, and I am joined this week by Jakub Marufol, celebrating Trabzonspor's victory, obviously. Uh, Uzer Dinger, who is also, I am surely, delighted with Galatasaray's current form. And of course, man of the law, Burak Sizgin, who I am sure will have plenty to say today. Guys, welcome to the show. And um, yeah, or, or how did you experience this this past week, uh, Burak? Let's start with you. It's been an absolutely wonderful week. I've got no idea what you're talking about. I didn't think there was any football this weekend, so I don't know why we're doing this podcast today. Um, are we going to talk about <laughs> like our favourite foods and something else? I'm really excited to describe how you make and marinate a good chicken shish, seeing as we're entering barbecue season. So. Yeah, you're a little early with that, aren't you? <laughs> hey, you know, Turks, right? It's never too early for for barbecue season. Three hundred sixty-five days. Halftime show, if you like, guys. Yeah, yeah. I, I, it's actually the only thing of the Super Bowl I watched. I really liked it. Um, <laughs> Fantastic. I, uh, uh, double um, peach choreography was um, exquisitely executed. Um, so the the years of practice have paid off to entertain the millions watching on television. So all, all, the only thing that Besiktas fans uh, probably thought when they were watching that uh, that that that's, that that show that uh, halftime show was, ooh, that pitch is going to look rough in the morning. You know. Yeah. <laughs> well, Any, yeah. Anyway. Um, yeah, uh, I, I I enjoyed that uh, that that uh, halftime show for the Super Bowl, and not for the reasons you may think. I, in fact, I actually said something along the lines of uh, probably when I was a teenager, the only thing I would have been looking at was uh, would be the asses and and the legs, uh, the sexist uh, male chauvinistic pig in me. But honestly, as I I don't know what it is, if it's my age or I don't know. But the only thing I could watch while watching it, well, I was just absolutely awestruck by how people how human beings are are able to to get a choreography like that in their heads and be in the right place at the right time every single moment nothing going wrong under so much pressure millions of people watching around the world and 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 just to perform to such perfection i mean every day i walk through the house and i stub my toes and these people they you know they just do everything perfect it's it's crazy i was absolutely awestruck um and of course, you know, Shakira and uh, even J-Lo, they still look great for 43 and 50 years, respectively. Professionals, consummate professionals, that's what dancing every day does uh, to you. You burn a load of calories and you work all the right muscle groups. So that's why, as of today, I'm taking up full-time dance. Okay. Oh, well, so... you're speaking from experience, of course, aren't you? Didn't yeah. you, you, had a, you had a dance dance-off recently. Did very yeah, well. Yeah. 
Yes, yes, I, I, I won two trophies, which we, we won't mention that. I'm sure the listeners are fed up of hearing about my, my exploits. Well, but Are you going to be shaking your ass for us one day? Um, if we collect enough money for charity, I will. Okay, that's good. That's Definitely. Good. Um, I'll do a live belly dance. So, <laughs> Looking forward to that with some chicken shish uh, on the side? Be, exactly. But, you know, enough about us. How's how's Jakob doing? My friend, my brother, my Ashkum, how are you, my darling? I'm fine, I'm fine. Are you are you okay? Did you, like, stop your toe? Did you, like, bump your head to something or something? Are you okay? <laughs> it, it, it feels so different. It feels so different from before. Are you, like, He's, is this, like, your evil he, twin that's actually nice? He's saving everything uh, for later. <laughs> yeah, this is, I was going to say, this is Burak with a goatee, but he always has a goatee. So yeah, he rips is, off the goatee to show another is, goatee. This is the goatee goateless version. Um, no, no um, I, I, I had a good week. Um, busy work. Um, nice game. Um, nice weekend. Nice, nice week. Nice week for me. Yeah, I'm sure. Uh, yeah, lots of things happened this week. No cup football, no European football. The only thing we have to talk about is Super League football. Of course, there was deadline day, stuff like that. But I think what we're going to do is I, I'm going to see if I can find some time with Umut later this week uh, to record uh, maybe half an hour or something on the, the transfer window uh, or transfer window recap. So a bonus episode this week, hopefully on the transfer window, so we can delve straight into match day 20 of the Turkish Super League. If that's okay with you, gentlemen. Let's go, let's go, let's go. Okay, now we're going to start off on Friday with Burak as Başakşi here took on Gençterili. Um, they, they, they did indeed. Now... You would think that coming into this match, it was going to be possibly tough for 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 Bashak. You know, even though they're playing at home against that, I've been scoring quite freely um, since uh, the managerial change that happened for them. But they've also been very very leaky at the back. So we know that the game ended with a three-one victory for Bashak Shahir and. Starts off, you know, Bashak get the early goal after eight minutes. Some good work by Junior and that man, Enzo Crivelli, has been a little bit quiet lately. It pops up with a nice goal. But about 20 minutes after that, you know, again, Sharabelia putting on some pressure. And then you've got Mr. Floyd, Floyd Aite, um, brings it to 1-1 after some good work by uh, Daniel Candeas. And... What happened next is you've got uh, Bashak playing some some good football, you know, creating a few chances, playing well under Okan Buruk, and then the almost the forgotten man of the team because he's been a lot quieter this season than he was last season. Um, Edin Visca pops up um, on the 48 minutes to make it 2-1, and then again on 73 to make it a 3-1. So and that his second one was actually assisted by um, Mr. Crivelli who helped out with an, an assist. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, looking at the, the the game as a whole, it was... I was thinking that Basak Shehr might be a little bit challenged by Genshler here because of the fact that Genshler play attacking football. So I was thinking, OK, let's see how it's going to be there. Um, and to be honest, it could have been a lot more for, for Basak. They wasted a, a few good chances. So before Crivelli made it 1-0, I think it was uh, Demba Bar that put a good chance... A good chance wide of the post, and 
following on from that, it was a just, I think, a, a comfortable day at the office for Bosch actually had. They didn't look too yeah. troubled. They didn't seem to, you know, go into that fourth or fifth gear. So they kind of just tamed against that quite well. I think they just managed to expose the defensive frailties that Gensler had been suffering from, which they were, to be honest, before uh, Tamar Tuna came back to, to take over. But the thing that Tamar Tuna changed is he got Gensler actually scoring goals as well. So I'm not sure if his tactic is trying to outscore the opposition, but it might work against maybe some of the other lower teams in the league, such as your maybe... Let's say your Dennis de Spurs, um, Malachias, and then teams like right at the bottom, like your Antalyas, Kaisers, Ankurugujas. But you come up against a team like Bashak, they're always going to create chances, and they've got quality to be able to put those chances away. Um, we'll see if one of the other games we had tonight, I think it was the 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 nil-nil um, between Konya and Antalya. Plenty of chances in that game, which you were just screaming out for someone to finish it, but... Yeah. We'll get onto that one in a minute. But I think um, Bashak just showed their class and they've showed everyone that they're going to be you know, right up there again, I think, towards the end of the season. And probably you have to include them in the the title race now with about another six teams because I think it's only five points that separates the first from the, the sixth. And that is just two victories and a couple of drop points for other teams. So it's really been enough to be an exciting second half of the season and, and Basha definitely there to be included in the conversation. The only thing that worries me... So the only thing that, it, that that might hinder them is they get if they get some injuries on some of their, their, their key players like a, like a Corelli or, or a Visca. I think that's one they might struggle to create and finish but they, they don't have the strongest um, squad but you know uh, the people that would be would be coming in potentially couldn't do as good a job, but that's the only thing that might you know hinder their progress in maybe pushing on towards like a top two finish. I think you um, mixed up uh, Hamza Hamza all with Tamak Tuna, by the way. Uh... Oh yes, oh yes, yes. Hamza yeah. back against Hamza. It's Hamza against that has uh, promoted the um, attacking style. Yes, so. Uh, I do seem to recall there was a, a penalty position at 2-1, I think, for against Everly. There was something fishy going on in the Bishakshir penalty area. But uh, very nice. I really liked the assist from both Dembaba, who assisted to 2-1. Uh, of course, Edin Vizcesel had a little bit of world cut out for him there, and he really finished it uh, very calmly. But uh, the Enzo Kivelli assist especially was uh, very oh, nice. No. That the third goal to make it three one was a, was a thing of real footballing beauty. Mm-hmm. Everybody should definitely watch that. Edin Visca and Enzo Crivelli combining from their own half and basically one twoing through the defence with a series of like pinpoint passes to to make it three one. It was a really really beautifully worked goal. And I think um, it also kind of showcases that there isn't a, a knockout blow yet at this stage in the league, you know. Uh, yeah. Bashakshir coming off that loss against Fenerbahce last week, but as Barak said, everything is still so close at the top. Uh, especially with results this weekend, I mean, nothing really changed all that much except for maybe the chances for some teams increased. Yeah, I mean, they showed good um, kind of mental strength to bounce back from the loss against Fenerbahce. Having gone so long without losing, and then to to lose like that in a game that they didn't play too badly, and might have held back other teams. I mean, we saw what happened to Sebas. It kind of capitulated at the weekend. Mm-hmm. Bashak 
at least kind of have that that mental strength and they're kind of all very much focused now on 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 um on trying to win the league. Ocon Buruk made it quite clear in a statement after the game two weeks ago saying that he really wants this, he really wants this title and um, they played some really, really classy football. He, even though it was 3-1, it could have finished 5 or 6. Dembaba had two or three pretty good chances that he missed. Um, to be fair, Gevstead really weren't, weren't too bad. Bashakshin were just in a different class. Um, Gevstead, of course, still without Stanku and were also without uh, Giovanni Sio this week as well. They put on, you know, they did their, they did their thing. They scored a decent goal to make it one-one. But Bashakshir just playing, playing football at a different level of consistency and quality. And I, I also just noticed that I totally caught Burak off guard by. Uh, I, I didn't assign him this match. Yeah. I just noticed that. <laughs> so good job, Burak. Despite job, the fact Burak, that yeah. uh, you're. I had, I had watched this one quite recently as well. So I had some something in the bank there. So I thought I'm just going to roll with it. You know. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, anyway, let's move on to Saturday then as Antalya Sport, Konya Sport. What is the next match? And this one I did assign to Borak, and as Borak already alluded to, a nil-nil draw, but plenty of chances in this one. Oh, so many chances in this one. I think the, the goalkeepers had... Um, but the thing is, the goalkeepers didn't have that great a game. They made like saves that you would kind of expect them to to make. There were no real, oh my God, that is such a good save from a goalkeeper. It was just them doing their jobs. It was just a, a tale of really bad finishing um, from from both teams. They were both guilty of wasting some chances. I think one of the best ones you had was um, early on in the first half for, for Konya. Um, I think it was... Um, no, who's their, their? Is it Milosevic? Or, I know it's their, their number two because I remember looking at um, his his shirt number. He Skubic, had a, maybe, or is he six? I actually number can't. Two for, number for, two for Konya. Yeah. Selim I maybe. No, it's that. It's Fundaglu. Oh, Volkan, uh, okay. Volkan, and um, what happened is he was standing in the middle of the penalty area, um, ball gets crossed into him, and he just has lots of time and space to actually compose himself, get the ball plush on his forehead, but he just puts it completely wide of the goalkeeper, and I think that was the story of the game for, for both teams. They got into decent positions, they created some good chances, but when it came to the, the killer blow... They just weren't able to pull the trigger. And that happened backwards and forwards for the whole game. So I think a draw is probably a fair result uh, based on that, just because there wasn't one team that were completely dominating the other team with regards to possession, chance creation, shots on target, um, shots uh, and, and general play on the ball. I mean, it was an interesting enough game to watch, but if you were just a fan of football watching this, you would instantly notice that I don't know, if they had someone who could actually, you know, have a bit of quality to put the ball in the back of the net, they would have they would have won it. Uh, surprising that Antalya kept um, Podolski on the bench. I'm not sure what his fitness is looking like. Um, we know he came in the other week. He's been training with the squad, so I was surprised they didn't give him a five ten minute run out because. Someone like Podolski, if he gets one of the chances that fell to any other of these players, he'd probably finish it with that left foot, is it, left foot of his. Even with, I think, a header, because he's just got that quality to be able to guide the ball. So whether it was a lack of match fitness, whether it was a, just a lack of fitness altogether, I was surprised he didn't make an appearance in the the last few minutes to try and 
get that goal for Antalya Sport. So, I mean, I caught Sal, his team, you know, they did play quite defensive at times and they tried to push forwards. Um, they had their striker back this this week, um, um, their winger Milosevic, who caused a few problems and was quite disappointed in Faruk Mia because he started the season with a lot of promise. We saw him mm-hmm. scoring good goals, good power, young, athletic, strong, energetic, but he just seems to have fallen off the radar a little bit since like the the end of the first half of the season. So that's a bit of a shame. So I don't know if that's because he's been sucked into some kind of formation that doesn't really suit his style of play, unfortunately. But and we we're to see anything from him this season to live up to the you know praise that we were putting on him in the first half of the season. And for the for the rest of the game, like I say, it was you know, not the the worst game to watch, but it was just a little bit of, you know, why can't someone put the ball in the back of the net? I think the best chance again fell to to Konya, and it was from a, a corner. But what Sivas did is they put a man on the post, and the header came in. I can't remember who it was from, but uh, goalkeeper completely was nowhere near. It was scrambling across, but the man on the post for Antalya managed to declare it. And that was the clearest goal chance that happened in the whole match. So on the basis of how it went, probably a fair result. If you force me at gunpoint to say, who do you think deserved to win more? I'd probably say Konya because they had the more clear-cut chances that they weren't able to put away. And that is that for that match. Nil-nil. Nothing to see here, boys. (laughs) <laughs> and of course, the entire sport are in a, still in a precarious position at the bottom of the table. So, uh, yeah, it's, it's kind of curious that they didn't just give Podolski a couple of minutes. So he really mustn't have been match fit, I think, because uh, I think they had a decent transfer window. Um, so they would probably expect to stay up. But the quicker you can get out of that bottom tree, the better, because the longer you put that off, the more pressure you're going to get under. And yeah, it may uh, affect them. Um Robert Mack, a new transfer for Konyaspor. He did make his debut here. He came from Zinitz in Petersburg, of course. Uh, anything that you noticed from him? Any? Did you have a good impression, or did he not really make much of an impression on you? He just didn't have much time to do anything that made me think, oh my god, you know, what a great acquisition by Konya. I mean, he was fairly inoffensive in, in what he did, but, you know... I'm not sure if he's just trying to get used to the Kojima style of football or just being in Turkey and the culture and his teammates. But I think the next two, three weeks and the next matches are going to be a real test for him. And that's when we'll be able to see if he is going to be a good addition to the Konya squad. That is going to help them stay up because they are just three points above the... Um, Kasan Pasha, who are 16th, who are the last team in that relegation oh, yeah. zone. So it is. They did actually climb out of the bottom tree, or right? They kind of spaz out there. Uh, yeah, it's, yeah, it's interesting that they finally. I, I always kind of feel like, uh, except for that, maybe Samuel Eto'o, Konyaspor really don't make big signings. And on one hand, you kind of have to commend that. But on the other hand, sometimes you think, like, uh, they, they have a. A decent squad of, of relatively young and, and, and unknown Balkan players, and that's what I could coach a man likes. 
but sometimes you, I, I've had the feeling over the past couple of years that they just need one or two quality players to come into that side. And I'm very curious to see if, if Robert Mack might be that type of player. I know he's been linked with a couple of the bigger clubs in Turkey in the past couple of years. Besiktas Trabzonspor, I believe. I mean, he does come from Zenit. He's a Slovakia international. So I'm going to keep an eye on him. Very curious to see how he performs in Turkey. Definitely. I'm, I'm, it'll be good to see if he can get the service because I'm not sure who can actually drive the ball up to him. I think he's a left winger, left wing attacker, so maybe he can drive it up himself, but uh, we'll have to wait and see indeed. Um, yeah, let's uh, move on to the next one then. Sergen Yalcin making his coaching debut for Besiktas away at Rizespor. Of course, uh, Sergen was welcomed uh, to the job by 21,000 fans in the stadium midweek at Vodafone Park. 21,000 Besiktas fans turned out for his um, yeah, signing ceremony. So the, he started at least with a big confidence boost. And uh, was it effective on the team? Judging on the first half, I would say... I definitely saw Sergen's hand in the first half. Besiktas played uh, at times really good combination football uh, relative to the football they were playing under Abdullah Avci. I found they found themselves taking the lead in the 29th minute. Uh, and then a little bit later, completely against the run of play, uh, a little bit of a misunderstanding at the back for, for Besiktas. Uh, Victor Ruiz uh, clumsily heads it through on a, on a, on a Morosio cross. Uh, Vida and Karius kind of looking at each other. Who is going to come for this ball. Meanwhile, uh, Riza Sport's new star signing, Milan Škoda, pops up in between and heads it home 1-1 at halftime. Besiktas should have uh, probably done better there. They had two or three really good scoring opportunities from open play, which I was surprised by because that's something that uh, uh, I've been bothered with in uh, recent months, that Besiktas are relying way too much on set pieces and are not creating enough from open play. I think apart from the Gensterberly match where they were obviously up against nine men uh, it's been you know all the other goals they've been scoring in the league have been uh, indirect or directly from set pieces uh, in recent games so uh, it was as good to see that Bishtesh found their uh, footing again here not a lot of crossing either uh, I fa- found that under Abdullah Avci Besiktas had reverted back a little bit to the crossing and inshallah type of football they were playing uh, even under Chanel Gunesh where they were relying way too much on Ricardo Quaresma's crosses uh, I felt like they were doing the same thing in recent months uh, but then with Janner Erkin's crosses so I was very happy to see that Janner from what I recall didn't have a single cross in the first half I think I think he might have had a couple uh, indirectly following a corner from a short corner or something like that. But apart from that, Besiktas were really looking to uh, play over the ground and, and combine. Uh, and yeah, the first goal was a good example of that. A really nicely uh, crafted goal with Leic passing it into Atiba, who squared it for Burak, who may have had a good finish there. Uh, and yeah, in the first half, like I said, Rizespor kind of scoring against the run of play. But there was a little bit of a misunderstanding as well with Janner heading the ball back. Uh, didn't head it far back enough. Milan Škoda popped in, up in between there too, but then put it in the side netting. So if you're looking uh, purely at the, the summary, at the highlights of this match, you'll probably think that uh, the, the first half was pretty equally balanced. But if you actually watch the game, I, I really do feel that Bishtesh were by far the better side. 
But uh, nothing. Uh, but the, ex- the absolute opposite thing is true in the second half. Rizespor came out of the gate firing, firing on all cylinders. They did really well to put Besiktas under pressure, and they. Uh, managed to get quite a few really good goal-scoring opportunities. I think the best one fell to Umar Aminu, who put it wide one-on-one with Karius. Really good goal-scoring opportunity. And they had a couple of more. They really should have been 2-1 up. But uh, as they say in Turkey, if you don't score, then you will concede. And that's just an unwritten rule in football in general. And in the 79th minute... Uh, Adam Leij did really well to kind of wrestle himself in between the central defenders and then square it to Gökhan Gunnel on the right-hand side in the box and he fired it home. Uh, I believe it's his second goal of the season. Bistas taking the lead in the 79th minute. A little bit of pumping uh, the, bo- the ball into the box in the final 10 or so minutes by Chaiko Rizespor did not result in a goal. There was one uh, big chance, I believe, right at the end. But uh, Karius initially saved and Victor Ruiz cleared it. And Besiktas get uh, a very hard-fought away win at Rizespor. A very good start to his job for Sergen Yalcin. But Besiktas still have plenty to work on. Um, guys, I, I think I <laughs> told quite a lot already about this game. But anything that uh, stood out to you guys in, about this match? About Rizespor, about Besiktas? Just Loris Karius just having a really bad game. Mm-hmm. Um, decision making handling yeah. and it's weird um, because he had such a good first half of the season and he had this blunder in a, in a friendly match uh, yeah in January somewhere he had a really bad howler and it really seems like ever since like the in- the entire second, yeah, the entire calendar year so far, 2020 has been has been a nightmare for Loris Karius. I, I I'm not recognizing the Loris Karius from the first half of the season, who really at times was playing tremendous, but now he he's yeah. I don't know what's wrong with him. I think it's just mentality, like you said, the the blunder he made in a friendly, even though it was a friendly, probably has made him doubt himself and his abilities. And it's not been helped. I'm, I'm guessing he's probably reading and listening to all the comments that have been made about him, which is probably one of you know not the best thing you can do. But the the, the best players and players who have a really good, strong uh, mental strength and mental toughness mm-hmm. can kind of just block that out. So I don't know if he just needs a little bit of help with that. Maybe he just needs to be. I know, dropped for a couple of games or a game. Um, uh, I think that's only going to make it worse for for those types of characters. I mean, that's the thing, you know. Uh, with a, with a guy like Muslera, with a guy like Fabri, they they make mistakes too. But as soon as they make a mistake, they get back up and they get back on the horse and they 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 don't let it affect them. But you know, with a, with a Tolga, with a Karius, you see that if they make a mistake, it just has lingering effects and. I think the the equalizer from from Rizespor is a textbook example of that. Just where I think if if Karius is confident, he's just gonna come and he's just gonna pounce that ball away without a problem. And now he's looking at Vida, and Vida is kind of looking at him like, "Are you coming?" And in the meantime, of course, a very uh, good Milan Škoda. He was very uh, lively. Pops up in between and does really well. I mean, I think I believe he has three goals in, in three games now for for uh, Chaiku Rizespor. So a really good get for them. Uh, obviously, a guy with a with a good career, and he's proving that so far. Sir, did you want to add something as well about uh, Loris Karius or anything else? Oh uh, well, no, not, not about Karius. I guess you, you guys have covered it, but I just 
I actually tuned into this game in the second half, and I thought Rizespor had a couple of decent chances to score. Mm-hmm. And it was almost against the run of play when Bishikov took the lead, and I thought it was it's completely pretty lucky. Yeah, yeah it was. pretty lucky that, that you guys ended up with three points. But as as Sergen said himself after the game, it, you know, his first game of charge, you just need the three points. You can work on the football later on. So for for him, he really, really, really needed that uh, good start to his Besiktas career, and he got it. So hopefully, he can build on that and make Besiktas play some more intricate football going forward. Yeah, and he also said the football in the first half was good, and I I totally agree with that. I actually it was some of the best football I've seen Besiktas play in a long time. Uh, despite the fact, like I said, if you're looking at the highlights, you probably think that it was quite even. But first half, Bishtis were I really liked it. Um, the, the the football they were trying to play, and it's kind of like you know that, that equalizer fell in the 36th minute, and I guess it just kind of shook them. And uh, Bishtis, the, the team, it's they're mentally feeble. They're they're prone. Um, there's a lot of work Sergan will have to do there to to get those players confident again because. It's like I said before, okay, you know, it's not the best squad in the league, but they shouldn't be in seventh position either. This is a team that should always be fighting for top three, and they're just not playing to their potential, I believe. And, uh, yeah, I think a little bit of confidence goes a long way in football. So they, that's the, the main job for Sergan now. Very tough game next week, I think, against Gaziantep, but it is against Invodafone Park. So, um, yeah, uh, We'll have to wait and see how that goes. And, of course, the potential of a replay against Gustepe could uh, put them back in the race for European tickets. But, of course, they would have to win that. And we'll have to wait and see if uh, what the TFF's decision is on that. So, let's move on to the meat and potatoes of this episode. Because, of course, this episode will largely be revolving around this one match. Trabzonspor Fenerbahce, the, the top match of match day 20. Um, yeah. Who am I going to start with? Shall I start with Jakub and let Burak have a say afterwards? Yeah, we've not heard from Jakub yet this episode, so let's let the great man go first. All right, let's uh, have your thoughts on the match, Jakub. Well, well, well. It's finally my turn. Nah, 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 okay. Um, as you guys know, um, <laughs> I was I was a little bit late for this game. Um I, I thought you a, were you had written a monologue that started like that or something. <laughs> I thought about it. I thought about it, but I don't want to give uh, give Burak uh, ideas for the next time. Um, nah, I, I just hear a Burak uh, monologue. To be fair, like a really <laughs> well prepared one, Jimmy Kimmel style, you know. Um, so I, I I was too late for this game. Um, my train um, had an issue, so it went a little bit late. Don't you have a phone? <laughs> Yo, I know, I know, I know, but I was like maybe like three minutes away from my home when when the game started. <laughs> oh, okay. And so, um, I immediately saw on my phone that uh, we conceded. Like I was like, did I see this right? You know, it was mm-hmm. okay. So I run into the house, get the keys, tell my dad I have to go. Um, so I, I drive to the place where uh, friends of mine are are sitting, and so we start to watch the match. Um, I I watch the game. Um, I I watch the goal in uh on twitter and i was like oh my god i can't believe that um the collective defense had just just had a brain fart you know it was a little bit lucky for uh for fenner that the ball wasn't cleared well by uh by uh hussein who i already said before the game started in the group app that he was like the weakest link of the of, of the defense um but you know unfortunate to concede at home um 
otherwise the game the game was really fun for like the first half an hour it was you know what what we expect from Trabzonspor they they attacked a lot it was unbelievable to see how well uh, every player is seems to be you know played into each other they uh, they have started to you know be one be one with each other and they um the the midfield with NDI it's unbelievable how how good NDI has slotted into the midfield um having only played like two or three matches um but you know it it was funny it was funny because we had this big issue last week with uh, with with the game being postponed with uh, Wakayama getting a red card and his red card uh, switching from the Malatyaspor game to this game and then you have you know Wakayama not playing so you you have uh, Ekuban on the left and then you score both goals in the game <laughs> you score with with attacks starting from the left i had the hearty chuckle for that one but um you know, it was a good game. I I, I really liked how how Fenner played. Um, Fenner has 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 really has a good team, but I don't know. It it still feels like they missed that one certain player to to bring the team forward. Um, normally that is uh, Muriki's um, thing, but I thought he was pretty awful in this game. He he got the ball a lot. He he made a lot of attacking uh, attacking actions. You know, he he was always trying to get behind the defense. But his last shots were always just either just over the bar or just not on not on point. And um, you know he's he's a player that I do do like to watch. He's pretty dangerous. Um, he's always a threat. And I I thought that this this game he was a little bit less of a threat. Um, but mm, I think I disagree with that. <laughs> okay, okay. If you look at the first goal, Fenerbahce scores. Uh, he creates the space for for Kruse. He's pulling away the defenders there to allow Kruse to slip in there and, and put it home. Uh, I think he did really well on that one one-on-one opportunity. He just has the bad luck that he's up against probably the best goalkeeper in, in the league right now, one-on-one with Urjan. Um, I think he did pretty. He did what he had to do there, and Urjan just did really well closing down his his angle. Did it per, did everything perfectly, and that's not the first time in this match. Wouldn't uh, well, it was the first time, and it wouldn't be the last time. So, I I, I felt that Fedat was good enough, but I I kind of had that feeling in every derby so far with Fedat. Like he does his job, but he isn't. He's no Mario Gomez. He's not a striker that's going to put his mark on every single derby, kind of like another striker is doing right now. Uh, but he is still, by far, I think, the, the second best striker in the league right now. I mean, I, I get it. Um, as I said, I like his attacking runs a lot. Um, I, I focused for a lot of, for a lot of the game. I just focused on him. But as as a striker, you want a striker to to score in big matches. You don't want a striker with all respect to teams like Chaikurizespor or Malatyaspor. You don't he want does that. I, I know, but you know, it, it this was a big match because of all the issue that was um, that was created by uh, by Ali Koch and uh, the Malatyaspor president and everything that was going around. Uh, you know, this game that this was the game that he was supposed to be the one to. You know, shut shut the crowd up. You know, and I don't know. I, I didn't. You know, he he was a little bit subpar for me. Cruza, on the other hand, is such an unbelievable player. Um, it's so fun to watch him, even though he scored against us. It's so unbelievable how how good he is. Pretty much everywhere everywhere on the pitch. Yeah, he finally has some confidence, and you can really see that the last couple of months he has. You can picked, you can just see you know, that he's like a class above everyone. Up. Um. 
as for the king of the north um the, the first goal was such an unbelievable goal it, it great pass by ekuban um Serlot showing showing once again that he's the complete package you know he's like the mr perfect of the footballing world he's like you know all the good things in the world just combined into one person he controls the ball with his right foot do you mean that he'll never will win the world title or it it will happen it will happen <laughs> i believe you have to believe in it um as i said he he controlled the ball with his right foot scored it with his left um yeah. sosa on the other hand was was also one of the one of the he was he, he was he was really good he you can see that he's pretty much the source of calmness in the team he he doesn't panic really quickly and um i thought that um it, it was it was good to see him perform a little bit better than normal you know in, in derby matches you always you always need a captain to make the difference to um keep the players focused on the um you know on on on, on what you're going to do on on the results and um it's un it's unfortunate because uh i thought that um Fenerbahce was the better team mm -hmm. um they dominated the second half um Trabzonspor was better in the first half like in the first 35 40 minutes but this game was just just barred with uh, with with controversy because of uh because of the referee Ali Palabuk um you and i had a had, had a chat about uh, who the referee was going to be and we both were like oh not ali Palabuk, you know he's not the best referee that that there is and he just he just proved it this game he had like numerous um decisions that were bad uh bad decisions for Trabzonspor, bad decisions for fenerbahce it's unbelievable that serdaraz just finished this game without <laughs> a yellow card it's just you have to be blind not to see any of the positions um, but that, yeah. that we have to kind of say though that happens almost every match. Like I don't understand how he. he I, I jokingly said on Twitter midweek when I was having a discussion about Vida with uh, our good friend Ivan who listens to the show. Hi Ivan. Uh, I was jokingly saying that Sarah Aziz would probably average a minimum of three yellow cards per game, and I, I only kind of said it jokingly because. It, it's not the first time this season where I kind of feel like, okay, he should have had yellow there, should have had yellow there, should have had yellow there, and he ends the match with no yellow card. And I'm not even going to talk about uh, the whole head-to-head, headbutt situation. Uh, that's obviously a red card, but there's moments within this game where I think there's a moment where he just stonewalls uh yep. Serlot in the middle of yep. the pitch and it's not like it's not a case of well he was he couldn't go anywhere no no he makes himself broad he he really you know does it on purpose and that's the type of stuff where I'm like okay how is that not a yellow card ref um but you know I think even Burak will agree with this because I think he's even said it himself that he gets away with quite a lot I don't understand how Serdar has suddenly become that player. I I don't recall him being that before. Uh, I mean, you know, I I spoke sorry. with a couple Galatasaray fans, and they were like, it, it 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 seemed when he was playing with us that the moment he he breathed, you know, he, he had his breath on a player that he got a yellow card. Um, I don't know. I I haven't watched him at Galatasaray to be honest, so I don't know how 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 real that is or how true that is. No, but it was look on this it, it was so idea. infuriating because as you said he had that shoulder into Serlot's head um he had the the headbutt which was unbelievable how how VAR didn't say anything it, it yeah, was, no it, VAR couldn't say anything because Ali Palabiuk deliberately ended the match 
that was that was hilarious that he just he he, he came to he came to that side me, and he just yeah do you re do you remember in the beginning of the season Besiktas Basakshi here where Douglas brings down I want to say Crivelli right before halftime and the ref just blows for halftime so so VAR can't you know yeah. say yeah, hey red one. card it is I don't understand how something like that can happen shouldn't that result in like a sign a serious penalization of the ref. I mean, stuff like that should that that is unacceptable. I mean, it could have it could have changed the game, like you know. With uh, of course, you're two one up. You're two one up. Five minutes to go, and and you're and they're a man down. That's a completely different match. Yeah, yeah. Um, don't underestimate Fenerbahce, by the way. They have no, 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 I'm fought not, I'm back not in the past with ten men, so it's not a, a win by any. Uh, it, I mean, you know, but of obviously that's something like I don't understand how something like that can just get swept under the rug and I mean in any other country this would get called to to the the the, the referee commission and he would get a, a post match suspension yeah i hope that's going to happen because i don't I... think something like that is like that, that's one of the most blatant red cards in recent years that that hasn't been been given do you remember that flying torpedo tackle by skirtel uh, last year or the year before I think it's you know together with that one, it's like the most blatant red card that hasn't been given uh, in in the last couple of years. I would dare say, but I mean, you know, it's 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 unbelievable. You know, he he did a couple of things. He even like kicked kicked Serlot in the head. Also, nothing. It, a very high 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 boot. That's at yeah, least dangerous it, play. It happened. It happened next to the 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 the, the, uh, the referee on the line. It happened next to him, and he just didn't see it. And it's you no, know, it. As I said, it's unfortunate that the controversy of the referee um, made made an impact on this game. Uh, you know, you have to, you, you would love to talk about the football that was that was being played, but a lot of people from both sides have been have been discussing about the referee and how bad he was. Um, you know, you you had the you had the uh, the infamous um, you had the position for uh, for Ve uh, for Vedat. Where uh, Trabzonspor fans have been saying that the ball hit his arm, I'm going to be honest. I'm not too sure if it actually hit his arm. Yeah, it's not very clear in the, um, in the replay. I felt you I have. Mean, it, it looks like it, but you know. You have you have the situation before our second goal, um, where um, the ball hits. Uh, it, it's a corner kick, and Serlo tries to head it. The ball hits his shoulder. Mm -hmm. It was. It goes out. It should have been a goal kick, but uh, a corner was given, which led to us, which led to our goal. Mm -hmm. That was a wrong decision. Um, in my opinion, um, the decision that he gave with uh, with with uh, Cruz's foul on uh, on Urjan, that was a correct decision. Uh, I know that a lot of Fener fans are are you know they first were complaining about how it wasn't um, any there wasn't any contact. Then they are complaining about how it wasn't a foul. But as you and I said, you can see that um, Cruz does have uh, does. Does touch Urjan, and this leads to his like upper body twisting in a weird way, uh, which leads to him dropping the ball. You know, we can you can argue about if it was a foul or not. In my opinion, it was a foul because it's you know he was in the area that he had no he had no choice. You know, he couldn't he couldn't contort his uh, his body to catch the ball. Um, you have a position in the in the in the second half where. And Diaya had a phantom foul on Luis Gustavo. He did. He doesn't do anything to him. Really felt like Gustavo just heard the ground tremble from Diaya's massive legs behind him. 
and just scared and just dropped to the ground. And the referee went like, "Okay, I guess I'll, I'll call a foul." Um, Did that lead to a that led to a goal, didn't it? That led to a goal. It should it, it could have been three one at the at that point. Hmm. So it it it's it's awful that this game is just. Uh, it it was a it was a nice game to watch from a from a neutral point of stand of uh, neutral point. Um, I have to say, as a yeah. Trabzonspor Sport fan, my heart was beating like the last couple of minutes. I like like unbelievably hard, uh, but that's just normal with a with a Galatasaray uh, with a Fenerbahce game. Um, a little bit of points to to the players that were playing. Um, as I said, Gustavo was really good. Sturridge just. I don't know. I didn't really like him. Uh, I, I'll blame it on the ma- lack of match fitness. He he got dispossessed a lot. Uh, his he misplaced passes a lot. Scored though. Yeah, he but scored. It was it, it was offside though. Mm-hmm. Um, Yusuf Sada tried. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't really like him. Um, Guillerme played the second half. Um, I, I did quite like him. It, it it was nice to see that he was you know pretty much ready to go. Mm-hmm. Um, Sport did a good thing. Trying to limit the amount of time that Gary got the ball on his feet, you know, forcing the players, uh, forcing Penerbach to play from the other side. It was unbelievable to see how bad Tolga Chirje as a player is, in my opinion. Um, he doesn't fit into into the Penerbach midfield, in my opinion. I would rather play Ferde if I if I have, if I could. You know, he, he seems to be a really good player. Um, yeah, I think he also was the one that puts in the cross for that late. Uh... Uh, you know where where Ujan, uh yeah. gets, gets yes fouled yes or no, uh, but I think that's uh, from a from a ball that Ferdi pumps into the box. Yeah. Um, so the game ended two one, but the, really the shitstorm started after it. Um, the, you you had the issue that is uh, now making the news. Everyone, I I've, I've even seen that it has yeah. been featured but, in some British tabloids. Let's talk about that in a, in a minute. Let's let's have Burak have his okay. uh, view on the match and then we can speak about the okay. fallout. Okay. Burak, uh, give your perspective, please. Well, I, um, I'd i literally just kind of sat down to, to watch the match and, and we scored. So uh, the, the act of sitting down then jumping up became one smooth movement. <laughs> um, and then I thought... Shit, it's like there's still you know, 89 minutes in this game. There's still 89 minutes, and just scoring early, you know, it rarely works out because mm-hmm. it kind of puts the pressure on you as the team that have gone f- in front to, you know, what do you do? Because you've come into the game with uh, a game plan that the manager set out for you, and all of a sudden it's been turned on its head both for Fenerbahce and for Trabzon. Um, Trabzon maybe. Not as much because they probably maybe thought, you know, we're still the home team. We still got the game plan. Let's go about doing what we're supposed to be doing. Um, you know, attacking, you know, getting the ball to sell off, using the pace on the wings. And it ended up being a really good game of football. Like uh, Jakob said, that was just um, marred by just horrendous um, refereeing um, through, through everything. I, I think... The equaliser for Trabzon was really good play by um, Ekoban to to Serloff, who took his goal brilliantly, and he continued to cause trouble all game. Um, I don't know what central defender can could possibly contain him in in the Super League when he's playing like this. Um, I don't know, maybe someone like Vida, who could maybe you know be quite aggressive uh, with him. A couple of weeks. 
in indeed you know obviously we we couldn't contain him um as much as we we wanted to um i think it was bad defending on our part for the the first goal um to let Serloff get into that space but once he got the ball then he made no mistake finishing it um then Trapson's second goal no as Jakob said it came off Serloff's shoulder so it should have been a goal kick to us mm-hmm. and what happens then they don't score the goal and then maybe you don't get the situation with Sardaraz's and the 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 head-to-head situation mm-hmm. and and mm, but you know that these sounds, smells like an excuse, Burak. No, it's absolutely true because you know the the game and the temperature of the game completely changes because it, it was Sardar Aziz that went up for the header with um, Serloff, which got which was wrongly awarded. But we're talking, you know, in ifs, yeah, but buts, and and maybe Serdar was say, already doing his thing before that. I think that the block on Serloff, uh, which was. I really didn't like that. That was uh, something that happened before the second goal. I mean, you know, Serra's always going to play his game and do his thing. And it was, of course, with Joao Pereira. We have to point that out. And Joao Pereira is a fantastic, uh, you know, theater artist. But I think here, you know... It was um, expert expert uh, shithousery by, by Pereira. I think, you know, we've said it before, he's one of those players, like, when he's in your team, um, you, you love him. Um, and when you play against him, you absolutely um, hate his guts. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I think you know we we played very good football. Um, yeah, you we, did. We just could not put the ball in the back of the net, and you know that's a credit to Urjan for being very good. I mean, the stops from Vedat and Max Cruiser were expert stops, and when it came to a Tolga Giorgi chance, I mean. I'm going to stick up a bit for Tog. I think he's um, a good, decent, you know, uh, performer. He's in, in a tankless role, given his his attributes set. You know, he's he's a lump that you need, and he's got very good fitness, and he's strong, and for all his faults, um, he does do uh, a decent enough job, and he has scored some goals to us this season as well. So, mm. I don't think he is. You know, gonna set the world on fire. But when you need someone to put um, a shift in and just run and be a bit of a nuisance, you know, maybe get your hand, foot on the ball, you know, maybe slow down the play, pass it sideways. He's a guy that's in there. But the chance he had to to score when the ball came to him, and I was watching this on my on my screen, thinking, okay, come on, Tolga, what you gonna do? And he tries to chip or dig the ball over Urjan from about five yards. I'm like, no, no, man. Just either put your foot through it or or side foot it. So, obviously, huge, you know, error there in our finishing. Um, talking points. Well, how long have you got? Um, the Vedat handball position when the ball came in. Now, I've watched this full speed slowed down. I think I've only got the angles that have been provided to us by Libyan Sports. Um, app mm-hmm. and I've watched it slow down and I I I can't I still can't make out if he's handballed it or not just mm-hmm. because it, and if it has then it has the ball hasn't changed tra- trajectory it's just skimmed off the top of his forearm if anything but that should have gone to VAR and it didn't go to VAR and the referee should have looked at it on the screen 
because of the position he dives out and his hands out so he's made his body bigger so that should definitely be but it's possible that VAR looked at it and 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 have a different angle and saw that no it didn't make contact but then i think it's it's very essential that they show that angle on the broadcast so people know at home uh, or at least show like a little VAR thing where they looked at it or something yeah, because you're watching it on TV, so like you said, the VAR may have actually looked at it and just gone straight to Ali Palabayik's ear to say, we've had a look, Ali, we don't think it's anything you need to worry about. So, But as fans, you know, watching it on the TV in the stadium, you don't know that. Um, what do we have next? We have the um, handball by, is it Capi or Capri? Campi, I think. Uh, Campi. So this, this comes uh, just after... Um, Urjan makes uh, that wonderful save from Max Cruiser and the ball comes out to Gustavo who dinks inside with his left foot and he goes to shoot with his right foot and the defender um, just jumps in front of the ball you know, turns his back to it as defenders will do but his arm is out and the ball hits his arm and it goes out for a corner but the ball's hit his arm and it's... This is in the second half, right? Yep yeah, this is in the this is, this is in the, the second half. I I think he's pulling it, his arm away though, isn't he? Is he like it, trying it, to? It hits his knee. It hits his upper leg hmm. because you know I I saw that position. I also thought like mm, that one's a little bit suspect, but you can see that none of the feather feather players are even going for a penalty. None of them shout. None of them put their hands up. It really hits a, it's his upper leg. No, for me that comes off his arm. Or, or again, it deserves to be looked at at least by by VAR to say you know they've there have been penalties given for handballs that have been less obvious than that. So for me that's a, that's an error and that should be at least investigated and and looked at because for me looking at the angles of it that looks like it's come off his his hand. So we've got that decision there again bit of a refereeing nightmare um but still Fener playing well um up until i think it gets until like the the 70th or 68th minute and the clubs are just fully camped out in their half um also uh i should add that if serloff scores the goal where it hit the bar in the first half i think that would have been good night um so again he just jumped out out jumped the defense and put the you know, unfortunately, he couldn't put the ball away, and he just had a really good game being a nuisance. And but no, we still kept control of the ball, trying to create chances. Um, like you say, Cruiser has just been in really good form lately. He's getting on the ball well, driving it forward, just showing his class with his his touching, his passing, um, his sh- shooting, just being able to be in the right place at the right time. Maybe it's the hair job. Um, maybe it's the fact he's, he's dropped a little bit of weight and he's, he can run a little bit faster, be more aerodynamic. The the in DIA in DIA foul um, on Gustavo um, for me he's gone into the back of him from behind and that's more likely to be, likely to be given as a foul than if it was a like physical duel running shoulder to shoulder and you just out muscles someone um, contentious. As well, um, you know, some referees may not have given that. They may just have thought he just coming from behind and showed his strength. To me, that was a foul. But also, Jakob thinks differently. 
Um, but to me, the position with Max Kruse on Urujan is is not a foul, and we've seen it from different angles, and you can see that as Max is jumping up, um, Urujan jumps up at the same time. There is some contact, but I don't think it's contact enough to to warrant a foul. For, for you me, could, I think you can also see though, like you could say, okay, you know what? He catches the ball and he fumbles it, and that's why he acts like he's fouled. But you can see that he's actually already making a, a weird movement before he even catches the ball. So, uh, yeah, he's, twi- he's twisting his torso, and so uh, he and makes to, a and really weird, really weird little, you know, flinch. It's it's weird. Like so, he was, he's going out up for the ball, really full of authority, and then suddenly he's like. Oh! You know, I can't, we should have video. <laughs> yeah. So, so for me, that's not a that's not a foul. Um, that's just an error by the goalkeeper, and that should be two two. Um, <clears throat> Malatia. <clears throat> consistency. Um, yeah, that was much less a foul than this. A different, uh, much diff- more of yeah, what, different, yeah. totally different um, yeah, exactly. position in the in the game. That's um, true, Altai catch and, and and dropped it like it like a dummy and then w- went down acting like he got hit and here you know he's already it's different you're true you're right um and then just you know it just didn't work out for us and um i think we controlled the majority of the game mm-hmm. um the goals that Trabzon got were from i think they Yes, they they played well. Um, the first goal was, you know, uh, bad defending, which Trabzon took full advantage of, and and the second goal should never have happened because it came from a corner that was not um, a corner in the first place. But you've, you've got to look at the game as a whole and think it was probably one of the toughest um, away games we we're going to have all season, if not the toughest. Um, just based on the the energy around the game it's just such a bad negative energy surrounding the game it just you know and you know you're going into a really hostile atmosphere um and the, the team held up well um they didn't lose their heads too much um as in they were able to to play the football it didn't look like they didn't let the occasion affect their football but it let it, let it affect their heads uh, from time to time which we saw um, with obviously Sardar Aziz um, and his actions there, um, Gustavo again is sent off at the end for having a go at the referee. Do you um, think he uh, he did that on purpose to you know because he was on a yellow card suspension, the the seventh minute of stoppage time or something? Maybe he's thinking oh, I'm just going to say something to the ref quickly so I get a second yellow and then I only miss the cup game. Um, I I I don't know if it, if it wasn't any other game. I would have said, you know, potentially, but because it's a Trabzon game and it's right, right at the end, and it's just been shit housery for pretty much the whole game. Um, I think he just lost it, um, and so, but you know, he'll miss you know the game against Kurukledeli um, midweek. Be back for Alanya, um, which is going to be another really tough game for us, and and then you have the. The only other thing that happened that that's been shown on TV is um, Mikel supposedly kicking Emre when he's on the ground, 
which then leads to what we're going to talk about now, I think. Yeah. Uh, just quickly, I want to get your thoughts. What did you think on the Serdar position? Where, you know, the headbutt situation. Do you understand that the referee just ignored that? Um, I, I don't know how he's not given him a card there. I mean, looking at the EFAB rules, that looks like it's violent conduct to me. Mm-hmm. You know, it, it, it's not a... It's not a headbutt as such because their foreheads are together, but he leans into Pereira. Um, he, he clearly makes a movement. Yeah, you can see it's clear. Their heads start together, but the movement is made by Sardar to move forward, and yeah. he's he's lost his cool. He, he does more there than Tosic and Van Persie, if you ask me, because Tosic and Van Persie were standing head-to-head, and Van Persie then just dropped, acting like he got hit. Which I, Van, Tosic doesn't do that forward movement, I think. Um, yeah, so I think because... The, and and for, the just Tos- for the record, I think the Tosic one was red. Just for the record. He's a- uh, so I, I don't know what's going through the referee's head there. And even if you do finish the game right away so you can't go to VAR, it's happened, you know, in front of you. You've seen it with your eyes and you, sh- you should at least, at the very least, be cautioning um, Sadar is there. But if you're looking at the 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 rule book by EFAB, um, which tells us the laws of the game. And as we know, I'm a man of the law. Um, direct red cards, violent conduct, um, serious foul play. Um, yeah. it, Striking it fit- or attempting to strike an opponent uh, yeah. between brackets, headbutting also. Yeah. Yeah, there was no biting because he's not Luis Suarez, and there's no spitting because he's not Mbaye Jagner. Um, but it was violent contact, and and you, uh, you can put it under serious foul play. Probably not serious foul play, but definitely violent conduct. Um, um, I mean, serious foul play, I think, would be like you know one of those studs up challenges, feet off the ground challenges, but or, or a really big headbutt like a bam like a, a proper one right at the bridge of the nose you know uh, yeah. do you guys remember any moment because that's something that really bothered, has bothered me throughout the years where i feel like the they never give red cards post-match like they never give suspensions out post-match like they, they've done it on on certain occasions where like like remember the raul Merej controversy where he supposedly made like a sexual gesture and that they'll punish but when like a very egregious tackle or something goes unpunished they never go afterwards and still punish that whereas in belgium for example if you do something that should warrant in, should result in a red card but it gets missed by the referee afterwards you can still get punished for that and if like it's a serious offense like like you said violent conduct or something like that that will uh, result in in a in a in a in a ban and i just can't remember any moments of that in turkish football and i just can't fathom why that is i don't know it happens in the, the premier league as well yeah um, you know a retrospective red card or a retrospective rescinding taking away yeah of, that's also something that should happen in turkey from time to time yeah, but it's just not. It's not. Maybe, maybe I'll start with Sarah Is who knows? Let's wait and see. You know, we're going to get a new um, um, president of the Turkish Football Federation uh, soon. Well, so. if, if his name was Janer Erkin and playing for Besiktas, then I'm sure he would get a six-match ban. But you know, 
anyway, let's move on to that whole uh, racism thing that happened. Uh, of course, like as Brock pointed out, there's uh, something going around uh, that that Obi Mikel may have uh, kicked Emre Belzolo, and and apparently some Fenerbahce fans have taken it upon themselves to. Well, I, I'm, I'm not even gonna call them Fenerbahce fans. I'm just gonna call them uh, racist pigs. Um, you know, they don't deserve to be. Uh, associated with any of the clubs in Turkey, in my opinion. Um, just idiots uh, took it upon themselves to start sending Obi Mikel some abuse with... Uh, what did they write? Like, very good English. What was it? You want to banana or something? Something stupid like that. Something really stupid. I, I mean, I'm surprised like they can that, string yeah. three words together, you know. It's just, it's just embarrassing. And... They need they need to be found and banned from yeah. football, uh, from attending football matches because, you know you can, you can you know you can boo someone um, when they're playing or or, or whistle them because um, they're a supposed bad guy. They're not. They're just someone playing against you in a football match. But to to deem that DM them abuse is unacceptable. But to you know DM them. Racist abuse is just completely unacceptable, and you know they just need to be found, and they need to be banned. Um, yeah. I mean, so abuse, abuse is one thing, but racist abuse—that kind of just—it shines a bad light on on the Turkish fo- football fan culture in general. Because uh, I think that's one of the things that that. that Turkish fans ha- have that like we don't have the stuff that happens in Spain and it happens in Italy where they make these disgusting monkey noises in the stadiums and stuff like that and that's something that almost never ever happens in Turkey like racist kind of stuff like that towards you know black players or anything I, I recall I think one incident where there was a guy sh- like showing a banana to a player or something which I think <laughs> Yeah, which the entire country kind of responded to in, in absolute disgust, and uh, I, I'm I'm liking at least the reactions we're seeing right now. I hope that Ali Koch will make a statement on this. I don't know if he has already. I think he should. Uh, that he should make a statement on this. That it's absolutely unacceptable, and that those fans will be banned for life. I mean, I think you know, I'm I'm not going to put the the sole blame on Ali Koch. <clears throat> But I remember just when, when he was elected president of uh, Fenerbahce, um, he, he wanted, he, he talked about how he wanted to, um, you know, break the ice between between Fenerbahce and Trabzonspor. Just start. They've, they've done that. They've I know, I know. That. So it, it was a, it was a good change from you know all the shit houseery that went down with uh, with with Aziz Yildirim for twenty years. So, I'll, I, so I was I was quite you know I'm, I'm not going to say that I was happy but I was like okay maybe maybe it will be a little bit a little bit less awful mm-hmm. but you have you know um, last year they weren't you know the best team uh, this year they are a lot better and you can see as we as we have talked like numerously um, they are playing against you know the T- the TFF they are you know pretty much all every two weeks or so they are talking about the decision that was made putting pressure on the TFF. And you know, with this whole thing about uh, about uh, um, the game uh, against Malatyaspor that was uh, that was delayed and all this stuff, it just put a lot of a lot of extra fire, you know, between the two teams. Yeah, so oil we, on the fire. Yeah. So even before the game started, there was 
like a whole thing on Twitter. You know, it's 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 to it's to be expected. You know, I'm I'm used to the ha 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 humsit jokes every time. Mm-hmm. You know, it's it, it I'm not you know I'm not getting mad because of that, but it's it quickly turns into something awful when when either side loses. You know, you can never have two sides that are both happy with with a certain result. Yeah, of course. Yeah. So it just it just exploded after the game in. You know, uh, Ali Koch came to the stadium. As I said, a lot of a lot of Trabzonspor fans have been have been angry with him for the last couple of weeks. He got booed. I'm I'm personally fine with that. If 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 Aula goes to Fenerbahce, um, goes to the um, getting booed, that's okay. You know, I'm as long okay as there's no that, you know? shooting the bus and there's yeah, no throwing I'm, I'm not, bricks I'm not, and stuff. I'm not okay with that. With stuff. With stuff. Uh, with stuff as that. You know. So just boo boo guys. You know, you can call players. You can you can call players dickheads, but you shouldn't you know bring bring the skin uh, bring the color of the skin into the topic. You know you shouldn't say something with a racial undertone. And as you said, racism in Turkey, you know it it, it happens, but it I haven't seen uh, like racism towards a certain player in a long time. Um, you talked yeah, it's about extremely rare. Yeah, you talked about uh, the fan with the banana. I, I remember that was against uh, uh, against Drogba. It's a, mm-hmm. in a Fener game, and before that you had the infamous Emre Belazolo, Didier uh, Zokora thing. But since then, I haven't really heard about anything. So, you know, it's I, I know that maybe using Twitter or Reddit as like the source of certain things isn't isn't the smartest decision because you have a lot of people just venting mm-hmm. their uh, venting their issues there, um, as I as I do also. <laughs> but you know, I'm. You know, as I said, I'm I'm open for just just you can call me a dickhead, you can hate certain players that we have, you can hate Trabzonspor, but you know, keep it keep it in a certain way. Um, you know, you can't you can't convince me to love Fenerbahce. I can't convince Fenerbahce led to love Trabzonspor. I don't want them to, but keep it keep it you know just keep it normal. Um, it's mm. it's weird to see the the amount of anger that just opens up every time a big game like this happens and you have people just imagining stuff saying like yeah there was a Trabzonspor fan pointing a gun to the Fenerbahce bus Trabzonvalili you know the the municipality had to put out the statement that it was actually a phone and they even had the 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 video that the guy recorded yeah, and you, you so, also had these rumors of Emre sa- saying something racist to Obi Mikkel and stuff like that and yeah, to me it's yeah. it, it, it to me that's kind of like look if Mikkel comes out and says that then I'll believe yeah. it but if yeah, it's just exactly. people on Twitter then it's just people just going into the past and trying to feed off of that and creating something out of nothing uh, but that's what I'm that's why I also think that look I think if if Ali Koch comes out now and makes a strong assertive statement and and just completely um, you know distancing the club Fenerbahce from these people I think yeah. that's just something that would reflect really well on Ali Koch and on Fenerbahce I mean I think what he does before the match okay maybe it's a little bit in poor taste with the whole Malatya thing but it's understandable. It's mind games. It, it, it kind of it's part it's part of football. But I think this is where you have to draw the line. And Ali Koch could score some really good points. I think if he uh, makes a makes a firm statement here. What do you think, yeah. Burak? Um, I I hope he does because we we have a a strong loyal fan base um, that that support the team really well. You can see they um, showed up at the airport on Saturday night when the team landed. 
period just to welcome them, just to give them a bit of a morale boost. But you, you can't, you know, tolerate any kind of, of 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 racism, whether you know it's from your own fans or other fans. It's just wrong. It has no place in in society, let alone football. So I do hope that we we release a statement, you know, and you know, butaraftar larukuniros, and we you know we don't want to associate uh, with them. Um, I will add, you know, uh, as Ali Koch was entering the stadium, you had, you know, Trabzon fans running up to him. One fan in particular um, ran up to him at the barricade, and I would say, where's the where's the security there? You know, he was supposed to be going via the they call it the protocol, protocol Kiddushi, which is supposed to be guarded. But you had uh, someone who was just able to run up freely. Did he, he could, do anything? He just shouts abuse at him, but you know, yeah, he could have had a knife. He, he, he could have had something on him. He could have jumped the barricade and tried to punch him. So, it's a case of well, come on, guys, provide provide us with a little bit of security. And then you've got, like you say, after the game, the the car full of trubs on fans driving alongside the bus and and shouting and and they're yeah, probably that's that's part of it. Huh? I mean, that's... they're probably just you know having a go, but the, the the fact that you know they're driving alongside the bus on you know busy road, you know. Who knows? They may have been, you know, um, drink driving. They're just fueled by rage and just, you yeah, know, wanted th- to. That kind of stuff happens everywhere in Turkey, though. I mean, I remember, I don't, ah, Gustepe, yeah, the Gustepe fans attacked the Beşiktaş bus too. I mean, that's it's not new in Turkey. Yeah, that's... But this bus is moving. This bus is traveling at speed along like a main road. I don't know if it's a motorway or not, but you know, just things like that. I mean, it would be nice and. Um, to try and end this hostility, but in the the current climate of Turkish football and what's happening, I don't, I don't see that happening. I, mean, I think you... mind games are just too big of a part of, of of Turkish football, and especially of certain clubs. I mean, I I, I think you know Fener just do that a lot. They play a lot of mind games. That's part of what they do. That's all. It's, as long as I can remember. Well, I mean, we we did all right last season with Besiktas when you know we had the Fikret Orman and Alikoc came together. I mean, that was yeah, at least yeah. a, a step in the right direction. But the the fact that Alikoc is now just you know it looks like he's just gone fuck it. Um, yeah, but he, he, I I understand it because he's desperate for a title. The club needs that desperately. They need that money. They need that type of stuff to turn things around. I I completely understand it. I mean, I if I as a Bishtesh fan, if I was in the position of Trabzonspor, I would be annoyed too. But I get why he's doing it. But I think when Fenerbahce are putting out statements left and right constantly, they can't stay quiet on this. If they don't make a statement on this, a firm stance, then that's going to look very bad, in my opinion, if they just stay quiet. I mean, we've had to make statements statements this season for for good reason. Um, so I I fully am behind the, the statements that Ali Koch makes from his standpoint and from our club standpoint. But I just think it's it's got to such a point where someone like Ali Koch is he's tried to change things, he's tried to change the structure, but you can see it, it's just broken. So he he's just had to turn around and literally put his arms and go fuck it. I'm just doing things my way and looking after my own and on my club, and it's just adds to the the chaos that is 
Turkish football. We had Mustafa Cengiz with his press conference today. We had the resignation of Nihat Özdemir as president of the it's, Turkish it's football not, federation. We don't know. That's been denied. That's been denied by. It the isn't official. Yeah, it's been denied. Well, you know that you've got that kind of. It's being whipped up in, into a frenzy, and it's just the 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 pot is overboiling. It's going all down the sides. All over the cooker. It's going onto the kitchen floor, and we're and we're stepping in it with our with our bare feet, getting angry and pushing each other around. Um, yeah, for sure. The controversy um, and the crazy word of Turkish football. But I, I'm gonna have to cut it short there, guys. We've been going long on this match. I quickly want to get Uzer's thoughts, and then I want to move on to the next matches because otherwise, I think Uzer's gonna run out of time. Yeah, that's true. Well, so I mean, you, you guys have um, talked enough about the game. I, I just, I, I really enjoyed it. I must say. Um, Jakub mentioned before that from a neutral's point of view it would have been a really exciting game and I had my popcorn there sitting pretty watching the fights the fiascos the goals the drama I thought this, the atmosphere in the stadium was really really impressive the best I've ever seen from, from Trabzon since they moved to their new stadium um, and um, also actually after the game some of the scenes in Trabzon <laughs> were just quite something else really normally I don't like things like that normally I disapprove because it's just a game after all there's no trophy or anything being handed over so I, I normally t- look, look down on that kind of thing but in this case I think Trabzon fans weren't doing it so, in so much as because they won a game but it was more to tease Fenerbahce just to kind of take the piss and to rub it in <laughs> even more which I thought was really funny and I, I did enjoy that don't so you think I, it's really? I think it was just because they won the game too, though. Because I, I think a lot a of pressure that, was like... on this for because Fener have struggled to. Uh, sorry, Trabzonspor have really struggled to get a win against Fenerbahce in in, in years. Yeah, you know? uh, yeah, there was definitely an, an outburst, but 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 still, there was a. Yeah, I don't know. I, I think I think there was a, there was an extra level to it, which I which I sort of appreciated, and and therefore somewhat didn't. Um, didn't, didn't dislike as much as I do normally when things like that happen. Yeah. Anyway, uh, you can join the conversation too. Just tweet at Futi Alaturka with your thoughts on this big Trabzonspor Fenerbahce quote-unquote derby. I, I hate calling it that since it's nowhere near what a, a derby. It's it's not in the same city. Come on, people. Anyway, let's move on to Sunday. Ankara Gücü took on Kasim Pasha. This was a very important match with major relegation implications and Uzer is going to take it away. Hello, yes. Ankara Gücü Kasim Pasha. So, this was actually a pretty fantastic game. Um, despite the 1-1 scoreline, it was uh, had had quite a lot of action. Kasim Pasha actually took the lead. Um, I think it was Thian who scored a pretty classy header in the first half within the first ten minutes. Um, then it was denied again a few minutes later from from VAR for having an offside um, decision go against him. But Ankara Gucu played some really really nice football uh, and then won a penalty, which was quite interesting because um, initially the referee didn't award the penalty and then Ordiel sort of took. After the after the uh, ball was st- the gameplay was stopped, Orjil took the ball and s- sat on the penalty spot and just crossed his arms and refused to move. So he was kind of doing a silent protest, which is something I've never seen before. And then the ref ended up going to VAR to check the pit- to check the position again. Meanwhile, Orjil still sat there with his arms folded, sort of demanding that the referee checked again and gave the penalty. So he wasn't going to move until the penalty was given. And sure enough. The ref, after consulting with his assistants, gave the penalty, which um, which then uh, Justin Rodriguez scored 
it was very well well deserved because they Ankaraja played some really nice football, created quite a few chances. Um, and the goal scorer Rodriguez, he's, he's I think he's twenty four year old or something like that on loan from Dynamo Kiev, and uh, he was one of the fifteen signings that Ankaraja made in a single day. I thought thirty. Was it fifteen? I think I think it went up to fifteen during the day. They added two more two more players to the score. They never scored of thirty five players. Um, and Crazy. including including Orkunchinat from Besiktas, they signed. Mm-hmm. Um, Attila Turan, the, the, the still only 27 year old left back wonder kid that we all <laughs> had such high hopes for when he was playing for Sporting Lisbon. He's had a decent um, career. He has, he has, yeah, he has, he has. He's still, still got, he's still, I think he was kept twice for the Turkish national team as well. Anadolu so, journeyman, I think. Yeah, one of those, him. one of those, yeah, with a bit of Lisbon sprinkled on top as well. Yeah. Um, <laughs> Also, they signed uh, a guy, Stelios, something from uh, from Park Salonika. So they've they made a f- some heavy um, changes to their to to their to their roster, and um, of course it's MRA Mustafa Rashid Akchai, the man for the job. He's really got his work cut out if he wants Ankara to keep stay up with Ankara. But you know, like I said, they're playing some nice football. Uh, there's another player, Lobelise, who hit the post twice for Ankara. He looks pretty good. Um, this really was a game that they had to win, however, in order to have a bit of breathing room. Both teams, of course, fighting yeah. relegation. But Ankara Gucci, with a, with a decent coach and some some tricky players, I do think that if they carry on playing like they played against Kasim Pasha, then they might have a chance to stay up. And I really, really hope that they do. Yeah, and there's a couple of teams that are just above that relegation zone that aren't really looking too good right now. So... Mm. But they need to start winning, and this was a very important match. They should yeah. have won. I mean, for both sides, this was a very important match. Of course, both sides are in the relegation zone. So yeah. a 1-1 doesn't really help them much. But, uh, yeah, some some hope, maybe. Uh, some hope. Some season. hope. Yeah. Anyway, let's move on to the league leader. Sivaspor was away at Gaziantep Football Club. And Sivaspor suffered their first defeat in 2020. And, well, actually, they also had a loss in the Cup, but... You know, uh, first league loss in 2020 and a first league loss since, I believe, their defeat, their 3-2 defeat at the hands of Galatasaray, uh, which is, uh, I believe, like five months ago already or something. So Sivaspor have been on an extremely good roll. They started off 2020 in style with a 1-2 away win against Besiktas. Last week they were held to a 1-1 draw at home against uh, against Tchaikovizaspor, of course. And here... They suffered a loss and a big one at that. 5-1 for Gaziantep Football Club and Alexandru Maxim stole the show. Uh, the new transfer for Gaziantep, I believe he is also on loan from, I want to say Dynamo Kiev, but it might be Shakhtar. Uh, I'm not 100% sure there, so I'll have to make sure we uh, point that out in uh, our little bonus episode that will focus on the transfers. He opened the scoring after just four minutes uh, for Gaziantep, but Hakan Aslan equalized with a really uh, good penetrating run into the box he made it 1-1 in the 31st minute Mohamed Demir then made it 2-1 I think initially that went to Alexandro Maxim but uh, yeah the final ruling was Mohamed Demir and then in the 44th minute Alexandro Maxim scored his official second goal to make it 3-1 just before halftime 
In the second half, Sivaspor tried to get back into it, pushed forward, tried to push for that second goal, but it was a little bit against the run of play that Suleiman Diara uh, put the 4-1 against the back of the net after uh, Samasa had initially saved a shot from, again, Maxima, I want to say, uh, but it might have been Coyote. I'm not 100% sure there. Um, so 4-1 after 78 minutes. And then Kenan Uzer in the 86th minute put the nail in Sivaspor's coffin to make it 5-1. Sivaspor dropping uh, five precious points in the last two weeks. That means Galtzray, who were in action later, had the opportunity to close their gap to five points. And they started off the second half of the season with a 10-point deficit. And of course, Trabzonspor still a match in hand. If they win that match against Malatya Sport, they will be on level points with uh, Sivaspor. And with Basakshir's win, they're just within two points now, striking distance of Sivaspor. And Fenerbahce, yes, they lost, but they're also still only... Um, I think three points behind. I believe they're on 38, if I'm not mistaken. So, Sivaspor really doing a bad job here. And, yeah, they went into the second half of the season with so much good hope. But, yeah, things are starting to crumble right now. Uh, Uzer, do you think this is just a minor setback and they will get back on the horse? Or do you think this is the beginning of the end? 5-1 is a major setback in psychological terms. That's the thing. So, uh, for having such a head sledgehammer blow for the league leaders, it's, it's going to be difficult for them to recover. And I do think it's a, it's a big crack and a sign of things to come. And I'm saying this as I put my fingers together and, and look gleefully at my microphone. <laughs> Burak, what do you think? Is this a, like, contrary to Fenerbahce, I think you had, yes, they have a setback 2-1 away at Trabzon, but they played good football. I think for them... They will rebound from that. I, I don't expect them to suffer a major mental blow from that. But what do you think for Sivaspor? Back-to-back uh, losses of points. This is a big loss, a big mental blow, as Uzer points out. Do you think they will recover from this? Um, I think they're going to find it very hard to re- recover from this, like Uzer pointed out. And, you know, their next game is at home to Basakshihir. Uh, oh, let's not forget that. So that's going to yeah. be a corker of a, probably the game of the week. Um, next 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 match day weekend. So um, the pressure is really on because you know Boshak Shahira win that game, they go top of the league. So it's going to be you know really tough. Um, I think next week is going to be a really good indicator of whether Sivas have got the the metal to withstand it. And, and don't forget, um, after Boshak Shahira, um, Sivas are away at Trabzonspor as well. So. I think this next two games are going to be a real telltale sign of whether Sivas are going to stick around at the top or whether you know, they've had their time in the sun and then they're going to slowly drop down to the table. If they can pick up you know, three, four points from the next two games, then maybe I say they, they would have got their confidence back. But for me, it's the beginning of the, the downfall for 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 Sivas, um, especially uh, you know losing in such a emphatic manner away to Gaza on Tepsport, um or whatever they're called um, nowadays. <laughs> yeah, you can call them. <laughs> yeah, that's fine. Uh, somebody uh, asked us on Twitter, by the way, what the history is on Gaziantep Football Club because uh, he was interested in particular about Alexandro Maxim, uh, and he came. Alexandro Maxim, I think he came from France. Uh, Somebody look that up quickly. Anyway, the, the qu- quickly the, the history of Gaziantep Football Club. Basically, uh, for 
about two decades we had a club called Gaziantep Spor who were in the Super League they were do, they were really well doing really well late 90s early 2000s finishing consistently in the top 5 uh but they kind of had some dodgy people running the club that um yeah uh how should i put it they pocketed a lot of money i think they took a lot of uh money from transfer fees and stuff like that the club started to financially suffer uh eventually basically went to the brink of bankruptcy they're now in the like third division or something but gaziantep is a big city in turkey so there was a second club called bükşehir belediye gaziantep uh, which was renamed to Gazi Shehir. They were, uh, as Gaziantep Sport, were dropping down the, the, the leagues, going to the Super League, to the second division, to the third division. Uh, Gazi Shehir was making the opposite uh, run and was moving up. Uh, they took on the same club colors. I believe they had different colors initially. Uh, and now, basically, they have just taken the place of uh, Gaziantep Sport. Uh, and, yeah, they're almost the same club uh, and it's it's not something abnormal for Turkish football this has happened in the past we've seen this happen with uh, for example uh, Kayseri Spor uh, one season there were both Kayseri Erciyes Spor and Kayseri Spor were both in the Super League and Kayseri Spor actually relegated and what did they do they just traded places with Kayseri Erciyes Spor uh, we have uh, Erzurum Spor is a, is a big example of that the original Erzurum Spor went bankrupt so Büyükşehir Belediye Erzurum Spor kind of took their place and there's other examples of that so that's a quick little recap of the history of Gazi Shehir so they have a really young history this club has actually no big history but Gaziantep Sport the original club uh, have uh, very uh, good runs in the UEFA Cup uh, very good runs in the league in general top five I believe they finished uh, third a couple of times so yeah uh, Gaziantep the region at least has a has a good history in football but Gazi Shehir Gaziantep Football Club, as they were renamed earlier this season, are a quite young club with little to no history. Uh, anyway, let's move on to the next match. Alanya Spor, Malatya Spor. Malatya Spor have kind of been on the slippery slope, dropping points in uh, recent uh, games. They haven't. They, I think they have like one win in uh, in, in nine or in ten matches now. Uh, they sacked, of course, Sergei Yalcin a couple of weeks ago, uh, but that doesn't seem to have paid off. I believe they got a win last week if I'm not mistaken, but uh, they go back to their losing ways here as they lose to Alanya Spor. Jakub, can you tell us a little bit more on how Malatya Spor continue to slip? Um, so I, I I watched a little bit of the game, I have to be honest. I don't have a lot to say. What was pretty evident is that Alanya Spor was really the dominant side. Malatya Spor... Um, Tried their best for the first half a couple of, a couple of times, but you could see that Alanya Spor just was the better team, and um, you know playing at home, playing with the home crowd, it it, it just uh, it just worked a lot in their favor. You know the, the goals came in um, came in pretty quick succession. Uh, the first goal was in the end of the first half, and the second goal was like immediately after the second half for Alanya Spor. So you know even if you if you were a Malatya Spor, you you could have said like okay Kamal Özdesh, tell the players you know okay maybe we we conceded late in the first half, don't don't you know don't think too much about it. The second half we will be much better, and then you just immediately concede again. It just you know takes all the wind out of your sails. Um, 
I have to say it was it was a weird game for Malatyaspor. You know, uh, I think that Malatyaspor has players that could be good, but are just all in in just horrible situations. You know, um, you have you have a Gyokantura who, you know, he you can see like some sometimes you can see the spark that was that was with him when he was at uh, Besiktas, but like generally, yeah. I don't know, he he dropped off really bad. You know, yeah, he's had a real big drop off. I agree. He's still, and, like you say, sometimes a glimpse, but you know, it, it, it unfortunately for him, it just stays at like a glimpse. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I think he deliberately just signed a one-year contract with Malatya Sport, hoping that after that he could make a, a move to a bigger club again. But as it's going right now, I I can't see that happening unless one of the big clubs wants to take a little bit of a gamble on him as a as a squad depth player, but. I yeah. see him. I see him going the same way as as Volkanchev, to be honest. You know, once really, really talented, and then just fuck this, fuck this career up, and just keeps dropping. Um, well, as for the as for the goal, uh, the first goal was by Bakasetas. An unbelievable. I really like this goal. You know, it was a great cross by uh, Papi Sise, and mm-hmm. it was it was a really nice header. You know, I I, I love a good. Uh, I love a good head. head <laughs> I love a good header. You you love a good head, huh? Yeah. Uh, it's right. funny we were talking about this the uh, the other day. We were comparing uh, Vedat Milic, uh, Serlot, and Papi Sisse to each other, and uh, I think both uh, Vedat and, uh, and 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 Serlot have uh, a fair share of assists. They have four and five assists respectively, and Sisse I think had like one or none, and then uh, here he goes and. Uh, get, picks out an assist uh, because he's he's mainly been more like that guy in the 16 that fox in the box whereas both Fedat and Serlov do more for a team uh yeah I but, mean to, to be honest this, this is his first assist in the competition this year ah, there you go yeah. so you know um <laughs> Very good one. you can you can see you can see that Cisse is, is also a really good player he, he's he's up there with uh, in his age He's like Aruna Kone. He seems to get you know better and he's better. Thirty-four, I think. Yeah, he's thirty-four. Um, you know, but as I said, the, the goal the goal fell late in the first half. So you have players that are kind of you know um, depressed after the first half, hoping that they can turn the game around. And like in the second half, um, Alaysmore gets a penalty, which, in my opinion, I don't know. You know, I'm I'm not a man of the law. Um, the ball bounces off the hip of Hadeve, and it, it it really I don't know if it should have been a penalty. I don't if it if, if it's the hip and then the ha- arm, it should not. I think because so, that's because it, body it, too. It it either yeah it, it did hit his body. It was either his hip or the side of his you know uh, the side of his body, and then it hit the hit his uh, hit his arm, and the ref didn't go to VAR or anything. He just immediately went with the penalty. So that was that was a kind of weird position for me. I didn't know if that should have been a penalty um, because if that wasn't the penalty, uh, Malatyaspor probably could have you know come back a little bit. You could see that they they were missing uh, Guillerme a lot. Uh, the midfield wasn't the best. And Jahovic, huh? they and, lost. Uh... Yeah, and Jahovic, of course. Umut Bulut had an awful game. Um, you know he's a, he's a player that I will always have a good uh, you know a place in my heart for. He, he's 36 and he's still playing. He's obviously not not the man he was at Galatasaray at Trabzonspor, but still, it was just you know it was it was just an unfortunate game for um, um, for Malatyaspor. Um, but um, the goal that they had, 
It was such a nice goal. Um, Bifuma controlled the ball with his back. You know what um, what Ronaldo did, what Wesley Snyder did against Kaiserspor, I think. It was just unbelievable. He controlled the ball on his back. He he he, he got it. He got it in front of him. Gave the ball to Gueye who gave a great assist. So you know, I think as a, as if you are a Malatya Sport uh, fan, I guess you could be you know at least happy that you scored a pretty nice goal. But all in all, not that great of a result. But it was pretty pretty clear that Malatya um, Sport was the team that was just going to win this game. Yeah, and Fabrice Insakala got sent off in the 60th minute with a direct red card following a last man fall on yeah. TVB Fuma. Yeah. That means he will miss the cup game, but he should be able to play against Fenerbahce on the weekend because, yes, it is a direct red card, but it's not a direct red card for violent conduct or a reckless challenge or anything, and those tend to only... Uh, last man uh, red card is usually only a one-match suspension, so he should be eligible to play against Fenerbahce. Uh, let's move on to the Galatasaray Kayseri Spore match. Galatasaray have come out of the winter break firing on all cylinders. No Radamel Falcao uh, due to a hamstring injury. No Sarachi, Marcelo Sarachi either due to a hamstring injury. Uzer, how did it go for Galatasaray without big star, Ooh. big man Radamel Falcao? Everybody loves Dong Fu fighting. <laughs> you can tell I'm in a good mood because that was a brilliant, brilliant performance against a pretty poor team, you've got to say, I guess. But Jim Bomb, as you say, firing in all cylinders uh, since since January's kicked off, since 2020 kicked off. Um, and I just, I guess I've got to start with Ryan, Ryan Donk, though, because this guy is, is full of surprises. Is he a defender? Is he a defensive midfielder? Is he a central midfielder? Or is he a striker? Because we've seen him pop up and score key goals <laughs> in the past, particularly last season, this last-minute header against uh, Antalya, I think, if I'm not mistaken. And um, at the weekend, he just popped up from a brilliantly, uh, from a brilliant pass from Amel Bayram, man of the moment, to Ryan Donk, who, who controls it delicately on his chest and then does some extraordinary acrobatic flip, like some Kung Fu-style kick, and it just goes straight into the corner of the goal, and it's just absolutely sublime piece of, uh, sublime piece of technique. Everybody should, should see that goal. Uh, you don't you don't see those very often. It was phenomenal. Yeah. It was pretty phenomenal, and I, I think he even surprised himself. Definitely surprised uh, Terim and the guys on the top side. If you saw if you saw Terim's reaction, sort of waving his hand to say what the fuck just happened. Um, <laughs> it's pretty awesome goal. Um, Omer Bayram, I want to highlight this guy again because we mentioned it last week and the week before and the week before and seemingly every single week where um, Galatasaray win. It's thanks to no small part from Omer Bayram, two assists in this game. He's now got eight overall in the season to add to his his goal from a few weeks ago. Um, he's just a key player in every position. He in the game against Kaiserslautern, his one his first assist came from the left, uh, from the right. Second one from the left. He's all over the place, and I still don't think he's getting the respect and the credit that he deserves from Galatasaray fans. So many people saying this guy isn't the quality for for Galatasaray. Barely even a bench player. Forget the statistics. Forget this. Forget that. As soon as Onyekuru comes back, this guy's going to be benched. Blah blah blah. So much shit talk. Um, and do you think it's I, just a little I, bit of the maybe a little bit of a um, a poshness 
oh, yeah, Galtroy yeah. fans I, I are used to signing big names, uh, superstar Definitely. players. This guy and, and, is 28, comes from Akisar, right. hasn't played in a big club in his career, you know. Mm -hmm. who, 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 agreed, did, agreed. I think there's definitely a huge amount of snobbery with this, with, with, with Ahmed Barra. And don't get me wrong, like, I've been, I'm guilty of my own snobbery in the past as well. Um, but, you know, credit where credit is due. Ahmed Bayram is has earned every bit of respect that he gets, and he's going to continue to be a key player, irrespective of you know all the new guys that have come in, Onyekuru and, and Jesse and etc. So, look, keep keep up because we'll be useful um, for the national team as well. Whether or not he'll be a starter is something else, but he should definitely be taken to to the Euros. Um, yeah, in this form, no doubt. Yeah, absolutely. And, and another guy as well on a similar uh, kind of uh, path is Adembiuk because he's also scored key goals, most memorably. Uh, against Kaiseri in the first fixture of the season, that 96th minute winner, which was also a pretty... 98? 98, right, right. Well, that was absolutely class. And Adem Buk said at the end of last game, after Falcao came off injured by scoring, he said, no Falcao, no problem. And today, <laughs> oh, sorry, against Kaiseri, he popped up again, scored again, did his job, and uh, 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 10 out of 10 and a standing ovation from me. Um, Fagoli as well. Now, Fagoli's been sort of hot and cold this season. Um, but he did try really hard this game, and I, and I could see that he was getting much more involved in the gameplay even in the first half, and then scored two great goals, and now, finally, when you look at Gartasaray's wings, you see Fagulio on the right, finally being productive, scoring goals, you see Onyukuru's impact, instant impact, um, came on as a substitute, gave the assist, so now we've got this fast-paced wing, when Sarachi comes back on the left, him and Onyukuru could team up to be some real lightning speed on, on, on the left wing, that's really exciting to watch especially when you compare to what we had before with that handbrake, Ryan Bubble, who was killing attacks, <laughs> doing the same, you know, dribbling on the corner of the box, especially to his right foot, the same trial and failed thing that we've seen enough. So I don't understand why he why he breath. functions so well uh, with Besiktas. Oh, I know, just... I know, I know. It's, it's, it's strange. It's one of those things. Because it's the same player. It... I mean, he did the exact same thing for oh, us, yeah. but for us that's it true. worked for some reason. Mm, that's true. That's true. It's, it's funny, that. It's funny. I mean... The, the other, the other um, player, two players I want to mention are Linus and Seri because Linus uh, got a lot of respect from the fans after the way he, he kind of carried himself after being after his contract was frozen. Um, mm -hmm. And now he's been getting some playing time as a kind of reward for, for that. Um, he needs a little time to get match fit. So I, I don't doubt that he's physically fit, but you know, in terms of getting in the rhythm of the football game, he's still lacking. Um, and 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 his and that was kind of masked in the last two games because we played pretty well and and he's been covered by his teammates. But I'm hoping that as the as the games roll on, he gets more involved in the gameplay and looks like the solid dinners that we that we miss and love. Um, Seri, I thought was quite poor. A lot of poor first touches, a lot of clunky passes, killing attacks, and he was really off form uh, the other day. And and I think that he was probably the weakest link in in Galatasaray's midfield. Um, just if we just take a step back, though, I mean, you mentioned before that now Gala are five points behind Silas from ten points at the start of January, which is already a huge jump. But if you look back at some of the games at the start of the season, where we just switched off from the eighty-fifth minute, ninetieth minute, around the, the end of the game, and just gave away points to to Ankaragücü, to Konyaspor, to Malatyaspor, that's three games that we were winning. It, from winning positions, ended up losing points. So that's six points that could have taken us, you know, to the top of the league had we mm -hmm. been in a bit more uh, of a sharp, concentrated mindset. So hopefully now that we've got the momentum of the four wins and a little bit more of the 
um, hunger and, and seriousness, of re realizing the seriousness of the issue here. Hopefully we can stop messing around in the last last minute of games to try to kill games off earlier on within the 90 minutes. And that, that's kind of what I'm seeing in the in the first four games, and I hope that continues. Um, just one more thing as well. I know almost going to kill me if I don't mention it. Um, there should have been a yellow card on Pedro Enrique for his tackle on Benny Handa. And the referee don't think he even gave a foul to that. It, he really stamped on his toe, on his uh, on, on, on the top of his foot. And it was quite a nasty tackle. He should have been given at the very least the yellow. And um, yeah, 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 I think uh, that was a huge omission from the referee. But otherwise, you know, I don't like talking about the referee much anyway. Um, but I think that it was a pretty much a, an open and shut case for Jim Bond. I was expecting a, a, an emphatic win, and, and that's that's what we got. Yeah, I think Gal right, we're going to win this either way. But there is one thing I do want to point out: though, that penalty on, position on, with Pedro Don't Henrique and, and Ryan Ryan Donk. How oh, is that not a penalty? The little yeah. nudge, the push. Little nudge. <laughs> <laughs> I well, mean, I don't. Umut was really start wanting to like. Usually, Umut's pretty straightforward with the kind of stuff, and he was like, "No, nah, that's for." I, I don't think he thought it was a penalty. Was there, what what was your feeling I, for that? I didn't think it was a penalty either. I just thought it was a really? you know, good old manly shot. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Nah, Nothing come on. Nothing come else. on. You like to see? Yeah, you like it's, to see it. Yeah, if it's yeah. a short, you could make the case if it's shoulder against shoulder, okay. But that's not. That's clearly not the case here. Um, he has no intention of playing the ball. He just he just barges into him. Just the the only intent he has is to just shove him off his feet. How well, how is that not a penalty? Fo In what football, universe? football football is a contact sport. And that, and no no no. <laughs> yes, it's a it. it's a contact <laughs> sport when you're when you're both fending for the ball. But that's not the case here. Come on, <laughs> man of the law, Burakil uh, Burak Sezgin. <laughs> Burakil must score. He's on my. I think right. you did that last week as well. By the way, you, you've I been doing it. Saying. Someone's actually tweeted us about the fact that you keep calling me Burakil Mas. Oh, really? So <laughs> thank you, thank you to that listener um, for calling out. Khan on his mistake, but that that was a stonewall penalty. I mean, a Donk just barges into him. It's not uh, yeah. football is a contact sport. Yes, as Khan pointed out, if you're running um, shoulder to shoulder, you you trying to like you know push each other, lean into each other. But you know, Donk just <laughs> runs up yeah. to him and even, barges even into him from, from back. Yeah, you can even see from the different angle how he's like he takes like a step to the right just to have more momentum to then bam smash into him it's like what it's like a freight train hitting him but, that's ridiculous it is but i may add that it was against kaiser the sport and we all know how i feel about them so ho hopefully they get fair game, no, fair game. hopefully they get no more penalties um i think it's safe to say they're getting relegated they're only 11 points and they're just yeah. absolutely awful so i hope uh, they enjoy obscurity for the next few seasons. Uh, don't let the door kick your ass on the way out. And I, I really don't understand how they found themselves in this position, by the way, because they're in serious financial issues, and I just can't really understand how that's come about. Because they've always seemed to be uh, very, you know, they're, I mean, it's Kaiseri, you know? It's that, it's that it's Bruno Fernandes transfer. Three and a half million euros. Oh, you mean uh, Bernard Mensah? Oh, Bernard Mensah, sorry, not Bruno yeah. Fernandez. <laughs> Bruno Fernandez for three and a half million euros. I yeah. wouldn't say no to that. Um, yeah. Anyway, let's head over to the final match on match day 20 on Monday. Just finished a couple of hours ago. Denizli Sport took on Gustepe. And Burak is going to tell us a story about this match. 
Yes, yes, yes. This was an entertaining game of football to end the the match day week. Um, Dennis Lee got off to a horrible start. Um, there was a huge, big defensive error by Yusuf, who just kind of switched off for a second, which was enough for Sonar Idol to nick the ball and give it to Sardar Guvlad, who produced a, a very good finish to make it 1-0 to Gustepper. Who, who we know are coming off uh, a victory from last week in their new stadium. So obviously spirits are high, but you've, you've got to give real good credit to to Denizli Sport because the moment they went down 1-0, they they launched almost a siege on the uh, Gus Teva goal, uh, better being forced to, into some really good saves um, during this game. Um, I think the, the the best save was one he made at pretty much point blank range in the the second half as Dennis Sport were piling on the uh, pressure. Um, I think Dennis Sport hit the post as well in in the first half. Um, just moving the ball quickly, um, Gustepe defending for a dear life. Um, but you've got to say the the Dennis Sport goalkeeper. Um, what was his name? I always forget. Um, so Stakoyak, um, I think you know, I've absolutely butchered the pronunciation, um, but he made a, a great double save um, as Gerstepper were one up from our man of the moment, uh, Cameron Jerome. So uh, the Cameron Jerome effect came into play again as Stakoyak saved his shot and then he saved the follow-up as well, which is a really important double save to keep Dennis Sport uh, in the game. Um, Rodallega had a really good effort at, at one point, and I say really good in uh, terms to the the athleticism, where it came up onto his chest and he just kind of kicked it over his head, not knowing where it was going. So just a really good piece of athleticism from Hugo there, but it was a, a comfortable save for. Uh, a better to make in the um, Gerst Tepper goal. Um, and then you have the uh, Dennis the goal um, right you know, towards the end of the game in the 86th minute. You've got Dennis Lip through on goal. And I think it's Rodriguez who has a shot that is saved by Beto, but the rebound is put in by um, Oscar. And I'm not going to attempt to pronounce his surname as well because there's lots of accents on the end. Stupinian. Yes, that's the one. I'll let you say that. There's far too many accents in the, the surname for me to be able to <laughs> pronounce it correctly. But goal was initially ruled out for offside. But a referee went to VAR. And the correct decision was given because Estupinian was actually uh, behind Rodriguez as he shot. And as it rebounded off Beto, um, Estupinian, I'm just going to keep saying that name now, um, slotted the ball in to give uh, Dennis a very uh, well-deserved point. So I think they played really well. Um, Not too much happened from Barrow. So I was maybe expecting a little bit more from him. Just because it's a a home game, and he's a player who's been playing well this season, so I was expecting maybe a little bit more from him with regards to to trickery and running. So maybe it's just a, a little bit of an an off night that he had, but um, real good credit to to Densley for showing some real good character after going down so early in 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 the match. Um, as for Gus Tepper, 
Um, I think it's a case of you know you know the coming back down to earth after a really good opening game in their um, home stadium. But you know they are still eighth in the league, so they are you know in contention for a, a potential European spot because they are only six points. I think off getting into the the top four as well. So there's still a lot of lot to play for for them. But no, I was I was really impressed by the way Dennis Lee showed good character to to come back into the game. Um, Rodriguez again showing that he is still very worthy of uh, his his start his starting position. I just think that he just lacked a little bit of service tonight, um, unfortunately. Um, but ultimately, it was his shot that led to the goal but you could argue that he should have actually finished it in the first place and not had the ball be saved by Beto and then be finished by that man Oscar Estupinian so um, I think Dennis Lee, um I think they're, they're going to be like safe this season they're, they're playing some good football at home as well, um, I would be interesting to see their their next couple of fixtures. I think they're they're playing Kaiser Sport next. No, they've got Kaiser Sport on Valentine's Day, and then they're away to Konya Sport next week. So they could end up winning with back to back wins in the next two weeks, just because you know Konya. No, I don't know. They're still a bit up and down with how they perform game to game. It doesn't matter if they're home or away. Yeah. So I think if if Denisley really knuckle down and really prepare for the Konya game, I think they're going to walk all over Kaiser. To be honest with you, just because the Kaiser are just so bad and they're not going to travel very well. Um, but away to Konya, I think there's a good chance that Denisley could pick up three points there, um, especially if if Barrow and Rodriguez get some understanding going. And of course, you have um, uh, good old Rajipnias there as well, who, you know, if he turns it on and decides he wants to play football, then you can always get um, an assist or a goal out of him as well. So, yeah, um, a really good game to to finish uh, this game week and a well-deserved point for Dennis' spot. Yeah, let's head over into the standings as we had said before. Sivaspor, of course, losing on match day 20. They remain top of the table with 41 points. In second place after their win this weekend is Istanbul Başakşehir here with 39 points. So within striking distance of Sivaspor right now, heading into their concentration next week. So if Başakşehir here managed to pull off a win against Sivaspor, they will overtake the league leaders. Of course, Trabzonspor, who are in third place, still have a match in hand they are now on 38 points but if they win that match against Malatya that they still have to play they will be on level points with Sivaspor so Malatya uh, so Trabzonspor with that win against Fenerbahce could have set themselves up to be at least co-leaders if they win that makeup match then we have one point less with uh, Fenerbahce who are uh, on, no, sorry, we have still we have Alanya Sport who are actually still in there, which uh, kind of surprises me because they've kind of been going under the radar, but they're still on 38 points as well with their win this weekend. Fenerbahce then in 5th place with 37 points. Galtzerai in 6th place with 36 points. Besiktas in 7th with 33 and Gustepe 
in 8th with 30 points. So I think the top 8 are probably going to um, decide who goes to Europe. They're going to divide those European tickets, it looks like. But, you know, Gaziantep Football Club on 27 points in 9th place. If that Alexandro Max Alexandro Maxim continues to score as he is doing right now, you never know. And they are playing Besiktas next week. So um, who knows? Maybe Gaziantep will join the 30 club soon. And and just so you know, Alexander Maxim has come on loan from Mainz in the Bundesliga. Right. Yeah, Mainz indeed. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Good, 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 good. Anyway, then in 10th position, we have Yene Malatya Spor, who are kind of on that slippery slope. As we said, they have 24 points, not in any immediate danger just yet. But given their current form trajectory, they may have to start paying some attention if uh, Kasim Pasha or Ankarik just start picking up some more wins. And especially with Antalya Spor, who will probably start picking up some more points. So Malatya Spor may have not done too well with uh, letting go of Adis Jahovic and Guillerme, I guess, was kind of beyond their control, but still. Uh, then we have Rizespor, of course, they lost on the weekend. They remain on 24, uh, 23 po- 24 points. Sorry, Spor then on 23 points. Against Sterberly on 21 points. They were in the relegation zone not too long ago, so they're doing really well. Then we have Konyaspor, who are on 9... Uh, 19 points, yes. Uh, so, yeah, they have to start uh, looking out a little bit because just above the relegation zone is Antalyaspor with 18 points. And then we have the bottom three with Kasim Pasha, Ankara Gujou, and, of course, Kayseri Spor. Kasim Pasha are on 16 points and we have uh, Ankara Gujou on 14 points. So, Konya Spor, just five points above Ankara Gujou, just three points above uh, Kasim Pasha. So, they need to be careful with uh, what they do in the upcoming weeks, or they may start feeling the heat. Kaiseri Spore, of course, in bottom on, on the bottom spot with 11 points, so things aren't looking too good for them. Jakub, can you go over the match day, uh, the fixtures for match day 21, please? Yes, on Friday, Yene Malatya Spore at home against Ankara Gujur. Saturday, you have four games Koya Spore against Tennis de Spore. Beşiktaş at home against Gaziantep Football Klubu. Geçlerbirliği against Trabzonspor. And the last game of the day, Fenerbahçe against Alanyaspor. Sunday, you again have three games. Kayseri Spor, Antalya Spor, the game uh, for uh, the relegation zone. Uh, Sivaspor at home playing against Istanbul Başakşehir Football Klubu. Probably the best game of, that, of, of, of next week. Then you have Kasim Pasha, Galatasaray to end the day. I have to say it's it's weird because Sivasport is IBB is at two, and Kasim Pasha Galatasaray is at five. I, why isn't that? Why isn't the Sivas game later in the day? Um, and closing off on Monday, you have Göztepe against Çaykurizespor. It's very easy uh, ratings. Uh, more more people are going to watch that Galatasaray match. It's okay. simple as that. Okay. Anyway, that will do it for uh, our review of Match Day 21, the Super League result. Uh, look out for our little transfer recap. I think we're going to try and keep that short. I know we always say that, but uh, I'll probably be doing that with Umut. We'll just be quickly looking over uh, the most... Uh 
yeah, the, the most important signings for all 18 of the Super League clubs and the most important departures. Just a quick recap on the January 2020 transfer window. Um, and then there's another thing I am kind of toying with, but that'll I'll leave that for... Uh, we'll, we'll, we'll have to wait and see. We, we may add something to our repertoire in the near future, but well, that's still, you know, that's still uh, in the cooker. Anyway, Burak, thank you very much. Jakub, thank you very much. Uzer, thank you very much. Uh, and thank you very much for listening to Football All at Circa. Uh, give us a five-star review on iTunes. Give us your feedback. Let us know what you think of the show. We welcome any interaction. Go to at footy a la Turca. Thank you again for listening. And uh, we'll see you next week. Thanks, guys. Hopefully next week will be uh, void of controversy and we can just talk about uh, some really good football and the further demise of Kaiser Sports.